0: Welcome to Boiling Point, they look like short fat worms that lie motionless on the ocean floor, but sea cucumbers are so much more. They are high-priced delicacy in many countries, can throw up their guts for self-defense, and sometimes have a parasitic fish living in their butt. Join us on our dive into the wonderful world of sea cucumbers in just a moment. Welcome back to Boiling Point, the weekly science show on Eastside 89.7 FM. On the show, it's your hosts in training, Ina, Hannah, Hello. and Kat. Hello. Today we are chatting with Natasha Garner. Tash is a PhD candidate at Macquarie University in Sydney and studies the hidden lives of sea cucumbers. Welcome to the show, Tash.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm really
0: excited to be here. So, Tash, I heard you brought us a fun game. Can you introduce us to this game?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So, I thought um, for people that have no idea about sea cucumbers, this would be kind of a good game for them to play while listening. Um, So, I'm going to give you three animals and you have to pick from the three animals which one you think is most closely related to a sea cucumber. Sounds cool. Yeah. All right. So, are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. So, Animal number one is a seahorse. Then we've got a sea urchin. And final animal is a nudie brank. Do you guys know what a nudie brank is? No. It's like a really cute little colourful worm. Um, and they're called nudie branks because they've got like their gills are exposed. So nudie, like naked gills, brank, gills.
2: I saw some nudibranchs while scuba diving last weekend. And yeah, they're, they're sort really Sort of what I imagine sea cucumbers to be, but smaller versions. So I'm going to go that one.
1: Yeah. I think I will go with Hannah. Okay. Well, actually, out of the seahorse urchin and nudibranch, they're most closely related to the sea urchins. Oh, so the wow. big spiky balls. Yeah. So I've got another game. Game number two. Ready? Okay. Sea star, anemone. Or the bobbit worm. I have no idea what the bobbit worm is. Oh God. <laughs> Okay. You definitely need to Google a bobbit worm. They are really cool. They're kind of scary actually. They're like a big bear trap, um, that's been like buried in the sand and they're huge and they just sit there and wait for a fish to like come close and then they snap around the fish. So they're like a big worm. Wow,
2: sounds slightly terrifying. They are terrifying,
1: yes, but very cool. We should definitely Google what they look like. <laughs> uh, I think well.
2: I'll probably have to go with the sea star. Was that an option?
1: Yes, sea star
0: was an option. I, I think the sea anemone, they like they look like many sea cucumbers just yeah. hanging around. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, you are right, Hannah. It is the sea star. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So very closely related to um, sea cucumbers because they are an echinoderm. Same with the sea urchin. That's so cool. Thank you for the game. (laughs) Maybe you can start with
0: telling us a bit about cucumbers, what they are, what they are related to.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So they're not a vegetable. They are in fact an animal. They're an invertebrate animal. Um, And They're actually in the um, echinoderm family. So within the echinoderms, you have things like sea stars, um, sea urchins, brittle stars, feather stars, sand dollars, and then you have the sea cucumbers. So that's what they're most closely related to.
0: Oh, that sounds very interesting. And um, how many species of sea cucumbers are there? And do you have a favorite species?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, there's, there's heaps of sea cucumber species. There's like around... 1,700 different species of sea cucumbers. Um, It is hard to pick a favourite, but um, probably I'd have to go with the prickly redfish, which is a very large sea cucumber. It can get to about a metre in length. Um, And as its name suggests, it is red and it's got prickles all over its body. So um, it's a pretty photogenic little cucumber. And yeah, it's definitely my favourite.
0: Is it prickly to the touch?
1: Um, Well, not like a cactus. It's not like spiky. But um, the prickles on top of its body, they kind of look like little tufts of um, hair, like a cartoon, you know, if you imagine a cartoon hair. Um, But they're not sharp and its skin is kind of a little bit slimy. So they're not that prickly to touch, no.
0: Oh, that sounds so cute. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And why did, like, now it's obvious why did you pick sea cucumbers to study, but maybe you can tell us a bit more of why you chose them as your studies model. Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't really mind exactly what I chose to study when I was applying for PhDs, as long as it was something in marine biology and, um, yeah, it made made a difference to the ocean. Um, But... In my undergrad, I do remember seeing sea cucumbers when we went on a field trip up to the reef, and um, they were just so intriguing, and I found them really cute. So um, yeah, I I mean, I know at first glance, when people see a sea cucumber, they probably don't think it's cute. They probably do think of it as just like a fat worm on the seafloor. But yeah, I just think they're adorable, little sea alien kind of things, Yeah. (laughs) That's that's so cute. Um, And what
0: do you explore in sea cucumbers? What are you interested in?
1: Um, Well, I am just in my first year of my PhD. So, you know, um, doing a PhD, your chapter ideas are all kind of um, changing, especially in the first year quite a bit. But um, what I know so far that I'm definitely going to be looking at is their DNA Um, and their habitat preferences. So I'm going to be having a look at sort of the population genetics of the sea cucumbers on the reef um, and what areas on the reef different commercially important species um,
0: prefer. Can you tell a bit more about where sea cucumbers are living? What is their habitat? Um, Are they swimming? Are they just lying on the floor?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So it's a good question. And I mean, because there are so many species. It does really depend on, um, you know, which species of sea cucumber, but you can find them um, in the shallow waters. There's also deep sea sea cucumbers um, and you can find them in Antarctic Ocean, off Sydney, um, on coral reefs. So the main requirements is that it's in the ocean and that they're on the sea floor. Um, They're Yeah, benthic organisms, so they like to live in the sediment, so sand and silty kind of environments. Yeah. So what is the deepest sea cucumber that you know of? Um, Well, I I do study the shallow water sea cucumbers, but I know that there are um, some of the deep sea cucumbers are like the sea pig, which is like a transparent um, sea cucumber, which is also pretty cute, and he's at about um, 1,000 metres depth. But wow. there's also a sea cucumber called the Headless Chicken Sea Cucumber, and he can get down to 3,000 metres. Um, and he's actually a little bit weird because he's kind of a swimming sea cucumber, which is different to most of them as well. These names are amazing. Do
2: they need sunlight if they're living that deep?
1: Okay. No. Um, yeah, they don't need sunlight. They, they eat um, organic matter within the seawater or within the sand. So, yeah, they're not requiring sunlight.
0: Can you talk a bit more about what they eat? I'm very interested.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, There are, there's two main types of sea cucumbers. So you have the suspension feeding sea cucumbers um, and these guys sort of hang on to a rock and then they spread their feeding tentacles out into the ocean water and catch any little bits of plankton and stuff. Um, and then the sea cucumbers that I study, they actually ingest sand, and then as the sand moves through their gut, they pick out all the bits of algae and um, bacteria and small animals within the sand, and then they actually poop out a clean line of sand.
0: That's very interesting, and, yeah. <laughs> um I guess they have a very important job in the ecosystem. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's through this feeding behaviour that their um, role in the ecosystem is. Um, so they're, they're basically like the cleaners of the ocean. So with the sand-eating sea cucumbers, the ones that I study, they, um, yeah, they're yeah, they basically shoveling in the dirty bits of sand and leaving behind a clean trail of um, clean cleans poop Sand and in this process, it sort of aerates the sediment, um, it keeps algae from overgrowing, which is really important on the coral reef because if algal, um, the algal growth gets out of control, it can smother the corals. Um, and they're also cycling nutrients like carbon in this process, so it, it can actually have a positive um, effect on the coral in terms of like reducing ocean acidification as well. So they've got a really, yeah, really important role in the ecosystem.
0: And we talked a bit about their diet, but are there any animals that eat the sea cucumbers?
1: Um, there's there's actually not a lot of predators that the sea cucumbers have. Um, I mean, again, there's so many different species of sea cucumbers, so it is dependent on the species. Um, but yes, yeah, some fish and some crabs will predate on the sea cucumbers. Um, you know, like the prickly redfish, which I said before is is massive. There's not a lot of predators that are going to be going after um, the prickly red. And some of them also have like toxins in their skin, which make them sort of inedible to predators. Yeah. Um,
0: but I also heard that uh, people are eating them and in China they are a prized food, um, can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So in China, um, they're a delicacy. So um, it's a cultural thing. In China, um, they're seen as like a symbol of wealth and a symbol of prosperity. So um, you often see sea cucumbers at like weddings and banquets at China, in China. Um, and they're also used in traditional Chinese medicines. Have you ever tried a seed cucumber? Do you know what
2: they taste like? Uh,
1: No, I haven't um, myself. I'm actually a vegetarian, but I have heard from friends who have eaten them that they don't have a distinct flavour, but they do have a very distinct texture. So they're really, really chewy. Um, Yeah, they don't sound very appetising to me. Mm. (laughs) Intriguing.
2: Are they protected in Australia?
1: No, Um, no, well, they're not protected. No, they are fished on the Great Barrier Reef. um, And you can actually, you can get sea cucumber in Chinese restaurants in Australia as well. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I've also
0: heard that uh, they are used like in cream or face cream industry, like for collagen. Have you heard about that?
1: Uh, Yeah, I have. I'm not, um, (laughs) I'm not sure if there's any scientific backing to this or not, but. Yeah, I haven't really looked into putting sea cucumber on my face. (laughs) Who doesn't want to have the um, smooth skin texture in in their face like a sea cucumber, right? I mean, (laughs) how tempting. Nice slimy texture, yeah.
0: (laughs) So uh, does the harvesting of the cucumber Mm. hurt their conservation status?
1: Well, the um, unsustainable harvest of any animal definitely um harms their conservation status um and that is why it's really important to fully understand the ecology of um, any commercial species um which is what i'm trying to do in my phd and there have been unsustainable sea cucumber fisheries um in the past which have led to you know fishery closures and um some of the sea cucumbers are now on um like they are now threatened, and they're on a, the cites list, which is um, a list of like endangered species where um, their trade is limited um, within the world. So, yeah, one of the sea cucumbers, the black and white teat fish, they are on the cites list as well.
2: I'm just amazed by some of these sea cucumber names. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: um, the common names are all yeah pretty wacky. Yep. <laughs>
0: Do you know of any species that got extinct, unfortunately?
1: No, I don't, actually. No.
0: That's cool. <laughs> that's that's happier for us. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a um, good thing. And on a more cheerful note, I heard that uh, some parasitic fish are living inside the cucumbers. Can you tell us a, a bit more about that?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a cheerful note for... The sea cucumbers, all the pearl fish, but yes, some sea cucumbers have um, parasites that live in their bum, and um, one of the most famous ones is the pearl fish, and um, you get you get parasitic pearl fish. So they not only live in the sea cucumber's bum, but they also um, will nibble on the gonads from. So they're eating the sea cucumber from the inside. But then you also get um, different species of pearlfish, which are just commensal. And they um, they just decide that sea cucumber bud is the perfect place to make a home, but they're not actually eating the sea cucumber. Um, I, I will not judge them for, <laughs> for their home preferences, I guess. <laughs> um. Yeah, you can actually get like a whole family of pearlfish sometimes in one sea cucumber. And I think I think the record was 15 pearlfish in one sea cucumber
0: do they leave the the sea cucumber or they just leave there and hang out only there or do they swim outside and return
1: yeah they they do leave they don't spend their entire lives shut in <laughs> um uh, especially the conventional ones they come out to feed and then they just sort of use um the sea cucumber as their their home um but actually some sea cucumbers have evolved to um They've evolved a bit of a funny um, mechanism to keep pearlfish out. So some sea cucumbers actually have anal teeth. So they have um, no teeth in their mouth, but they have five teeth around their anus that um, makes it a lot sharper for any pearlfish or anything else that wants to try and get inside. (laughs) That's very cute. (laughs) Um, And you talked a
0: lot about how... Sea cucumbers are pretty dangerous. They have toxins in their skin and teeth in their bum. Uh, but I also heard they have another defense mechanism. Could you maybe talk a, a bit about that?
1: Yeah. Um, are you talking about when they um, uh, throw up their guts, I guess? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the scientific word for that is um, evisceration. So, yeah, when a sea cucumber is Really stressed out, so maybe um, a predator's trying to eat it, or um, uh, a scientist is trying to measure it. Sometimes Um, they they get really stressed out, and they actually expel their internal organs out of their butt um, quite rapidly. And it, well, their guts kind of look like um, kind of looks like noodles, or um, like a really strong, sticky spider web. And it is really sticky. Like I've as gently as possible tried to pick up a sea cucumber before and it has eviscerated over my hands and stuck my fingers together. So it's very, very sticky um, and hard to get off your hands. Um, but it doesn't kill the sea cucumbers. So although they're like, yeah, ejecting a lot of their internal organs, they can actually regrow these internal organs. But it's, it's definitely an extreme um, measure that they're taking. I wish I had this mechanism. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> on a Friday night, you might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: um, and you talked a bit about uh, the fact that you're harvesting uh, DNA from them. Uh, what are you studying and how do you harvest DNA from sea cucumbers?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm focusing on just a few species for my DNA um, chapter And I'm focusing on commercially important species. So the prickly redfish is one of them. um, And the black teatfish is another one. Um, And what I want to, what I'm aiming to find is whether or not the population of these species on the Great Barrier Reef is just a single population um, or if there are multiple populations within the Great Barrier Reef. Um, And, I mean, the reason I want to find that out is because the sea cucumber fishery treats it as one population, which it might be, but we might actually find that there are multiple populations that need to be managed separately. Um, And how I get the DNA um, is... On the underside of a sea cucumber, they actually have thousands of tube legs. So, um, just the same as like a sea star, if you've ever picked up a sea star and looked underneath, those are tube legs. Um, and I just take a small sample of the tube legs. So, I cut off about 10 of them. Um, it doesn't kill the sea cucumber, and we think that they can probably regrow those tube legs. But I do, yeah, I do cringe a little bit every time I have to take a little snipping of my little babies. Um, and I definitely tuck them back in, in a nice little bit of sand and wish them, you know, well on their way and thank them for their contribution to science. And um, how do sea cucumbers reproduce? Um, is Like, do
0: they move and find a mate or is there any other way that they do that?
1: Yeah, they're, um, it's kind of cool, actually. It's a good question. They... They are external fertilisers, so they kind of spawn like coral does, and you do get male and you get female sea cucumbers. Um, They don't know whether or not they actually kind of seek each other out, but they seem to spawn around the same time as each other. Um, So it it seems to be that males will start spawning and then females um, maybe detect that there are males spawning around and they spawn as well. Um, And... I mean, if anyone's super interested, you should Google like sea cucumbers spawning because they actually kind of um, lift up their head and they make like almost like an S shape on the ocean floor before they start spawning. Um, And yeah, then all of the gametes in the water column they find each other and fertilize and they have like a planktonic stage until they find somewhere to settle and turn into an adult sea cucumber. And
0: do ocean currents influence how they? reproduce or like which females will find which males or the other way around?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, we think so. We don't know for sure. There's actually like a lot that's unknown, especially regarding their reproduction. Um, And I'm kind of hoping that the genetics will give me a bit of an insight into that as well because I'm taking samples from all over the Great Barrier Reef. We'll be able to see... um, how closely related different areas of the reef are. And that might, I mean, it makes sense that um, if an ocean current is coming south, for example, it's going to push all of the um, planktonic stage southward. So we're not sure, but yeah, probably. And you also said that you're studying their habitat.
0: Uh, can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um I guess, like I said earlier, every different species will have a different preference for their um, where they want to live, and um, I'm I'm studying again some of the commercially important sea cucumber habitat preferences, um, and I'm actually using photogrammetry to do this part. So I'm taking heaps of photographs of areas where we find sea cucumbers um, and stitching together orthomosaic models and then I'm having a look at what habitats we find those sea cucumbers in Um, but I am also part of a a larger sort of group of people that are having a look at the reef and at sea cucumbers Um, and yeah they're using different technologies to have a look at habitat preferences as well.
0: And what other technologies does your group uh, use to study the sea cucumbers?
1: Um, well, some people are in our group are using drones um, and we also have an ROV. So it's like a little submarine or a, like an underwater drone, really. Um, there is a paper published from our group from um, Macquarie University that was using drones to fly over a shallow part of the reef and um, locate sea cucumbers Figure out the biomass, so how many sea cucumbers there were in that shallow part of the reef. Um, And yeah, they were able to extrapolate a lot of data that way. But drones are only good at seeing through um, the water in shallow areas. So in the deeper areas, the drone can't actually count or see any sea cucumbers. Um, That's why we've got the ROV. So Um, yeah, we've got a little blue robot. Um, I'm not super involved in that part of it. There's people from the University of Newcastle that are, and they are, it goes down there with a camera as well, just like a drone, and it takes um, footage of the seafloor, and they're able to count how many sea cucumbers are in the deeper parts of the Great Barrier Reef.
0: Is it easy to find sea cucumbers with the drones and the ROVs, and even when you're diving?
1: Um, it can be, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And, you know, I I travel to fished reefs and also green zones where there's no fishing of sea cucumbers allowed um, or anything for that matter. And we we definitely find it easier to find sea cucumbers in areas where they're not fished. Um, in terms of like with the drone and the ROV, um, we have to have perfect conditions, really, for the drone to be able to see it, and it needs to be in a shallow area. Um, but, yeah, we, we can see especially the bigger sea cucumbers from the drone footage. Um, and on the ROV, yeah, you can you can pick out sea cucumbers on the seafloor. I mean, they're very distinct, especially on, like, an area that's just sandy. Um, to see, like, a big kind of, you know, sea cucumber shape on the floor, it's, it's yeah, it's easy to pick out. They're quite distinct.
0: And can you tell us a bit more about um, a recent field trip you had uh, where you dived and collected some information about the sea cucumbers?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I've just come back from field work on, on the reef. Um, we On this trip, we left from the Sundays and we actually travelled north up to Townsville, um, stopping at a few of the coral reefs on the way up there. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean... Um, it was work, but it was a very lovely place to be, you know, doing hard work. Um, but, yeah, we we were up there um, doing a couple of projects, but I was up there specifically collecting my DNA sample. So, yeah, in the water, looking for sea cucumbers, um, and then taking a little tissue sample.
0: Do you have a favourite moment from this field trip that you loved the most?
1: Um, let me think. Well... I definitely loved, like, as I was collecting the DNA from, like, the prickly redfish sea cucumbers, I loved seeing the variety of the individuals because, yeah, they do all look similar and they're obviously the same species, but there's also, like, a huge variety amongst them. So, you get really red-looking ones, um, orangey sort of ones, and we even found, like, a few um, blacky-gray sort of coloured ones as well. Um and and some of them like we found a really small cute one that probably only weighed like 1.5 kilos, which is does sound big. It is big for sea cucumber, but then we found one that weighed up to eight kilos. So there was quite a lot of um yeah. Wow.
2: So how so how big do these cucumbers get? I think in my mind I was imagining them to be a lot smaller than they are.
1: Yeah, no, they're they're giant. This this particular species, um, they they're about like a meter long. Um, Some of the big ones Now I understand how the drones can spot them (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true (laughs) I actually, on one of the um, days I was out there, I pulled my back Because I was lifting up two of them at the same time So it was like, I don't know, 12 kilos of sea cucumber That I was trying to lift up onto the boat Um, Yeah, so I had to sit the next day out (laughs) Heavy animals (laughs) Yeah, work safety comes first, guys
0: (laughs) They sound so cute, can you? raise them as your pets or is it not allowed
1: (laughs) just asking for a friend um (laughs) Um, i'm not sure if you can have them as pets actually like um i'm sure some of the smaller species it i mean maybe you could add them to a home aquaria um i don't know if you'd want a prickly redfish like it's it's huge and um i don't know i'd much rather see them in the wild as well um But it it would be interesting. I mean, some of the species, we don't know how long they live for as well. Like, I mean, potentially they live for decades. We just have no idea. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like it would be difficult to keep them in an aquarium, though, because you just because of the food, you have to feed them. Uh,
0: Where can you, like... Just me, not a scientist or not a sea cucumber scientist and not a person who dives. Uh, can you see them in like aquariums in Sydney?
1: Um, I think that they do have sea cucumbers like at the touch pool at the aquarium. Um, a lot of sea cucumbers like like to hide though. So, I mean, maybe they are at the touch pool, but they're kind of either buried in the sand or under a rock or something. Um, I, I've definitely seen them in rock pools around Sydney though before. So, um, like if you go down to Long Reef at low tide, you can find them in the rock pools there. Um, so that's pretty cool.
2: I have to take a trip. Yeah. <laughs> you said something before that I was interested about and in that we don't know, or you don't know how long these sea cucumbers live for. Does your group do any sort of long-term monitoring or tagging of any of these sea cucumbers to look at that question?
1: Sea cucumbers are so hard to tag. Like, they, they have tried to tag these guys, but they're just so... Um, they're just so strange, these these little animals. So if you try and tag them with like a physical tag, like you try and wrap something around them or I don't know, um, even people have tried in the past to put something under their skin, they will just eject it. Um, or if it's tied around their body, they'll just split themselves into two. Um, or they will. It's a bit extreme. Yeah, they just like refuse to be tagged. Um, people have tried to like tag them with fluorescent dyes before, um, and that just either kills them or they eject the fluorescent dye out of their body. It's also can sometimes be difficult to take some species um, out of the wild and keep them in aquariums. Um, they just. Yeah, they're really delicate kind of animals and they do not like being messed with. So
2: Yeah, they sound like very quirky, fascinating <laughs> yeah, creatures.
1: Yeah, it, it does make it very difficult to figure out how long they live for, though. Like, I would love to um, be able to put some sort of non-invasive tag on them and come back and find them later. Mm. Um, yeah, what, what a, a study has done before and that uh, I'm kind of interested in investigating a bit more is, like photo identification of individuals so some individuals have very obvious patterns on their bodies and potentially um you know if we could make a database or something like they've done with like the manta project then maybe we can yeah identify the same individual and see how long apart those photographs were
0: and you said that some of the sea cucumbers split themselves into two do both have
1: continued to live Yeah, in some cases, there's, yeah, so they can either reproduce, like I said, um, sexually, so releasing the gametes, or they can choose to reproduce asexually um, by, yeah, just tearing themselves apart. Um, And most of the time, both halves live and they form, you know, if if it's the mouth end, they form a butt, and if it's the butt end, they form a mouth. Um, Yeah, like I said, they're really alien, quirky little guys. (laughs)
2: Learning so much about sea cucumbers. I had no idea that was so
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm quite in love with them now.
1: Yes, oh, good. I'm converting everyone to loving sea cucumbers. <laughs> Thank you for being our, our
0: guest on the show, Tash.
1: No worries. Yeah, it was really fun.
0: This was Boiling Point, the weekly science show on Eastside 89.7 FM. We will be back with a new science story next week. Bye for now.